Good morning and welcome to Health Watch. I'm Dr. David Naiman, your host. Today's guest is Mark Castell, uh, the co-founder of the Cornucopia Institute, a progressive farm policy research group based in Wisconsin. Mark Castell acts as its senior farm policy analyst and directs its organic integrity project. He's here today to talk about the Cornucopia Institute report, Scrambled Eggs, Separating Factory Farm Production from Authentic Organic Agriculture. If you'd like to join the conversation, the number is 503-231-8187. Welcome to Health Watch, Mark Castell. Thanks for having me. So the, the title of your report, Scrambled Eggs, seems to suggest that it's not that simple for consumers to go to the store and grab a carton of eggs that says organic. And I was wondering if that meant that there's a problem with the organic standards or is it a problem with the enforcement of the organic standards? Well, good question. Um, maybe a little of both. The standards were created, and I would still say in their present forms, form, they're absolutely the gold standard in terms of food oversight in this country. But they were created in a, in a somewhat naive uh, state in this country uh, back in the uh, 1980s when the vast majority of organic food was produced by family-scale farms and was basically whole foods, not, not, not processed. And um, a funny thing happened between 1990 when the Organic Foods Production Act uh, passed Congress, the bill um, that basically charged the USDA to protect ethical farmers and consumers from fraud. And that's, uh, organics boomed. And as, they, uh, as the growth accelerated, we saw large corporate agribusiness that had basically laughed off organics or maybe even invested in attempting to discredit it, um, start to invest in in established organic name brands uh, and and really pump money and uh, marketing prowess into the industry. So today, what we've historically called the organic community truly is an industry. It's $25 billion. Uh, it's, it's no joke. Um, a lot of that's good. Um, we don't have to go just to a little mom-and-pop health food store, although there's some great independent stores around. And folks who don't have uh, uh, an outfit like People's Food Co-op, one of your sponsors, um, uh, in their neighborhood, can now go to almost any grocery store and find certified organic product. Uh, The downside to that is that uh, there are companies who are just in it for a quick buck, and there's obviously nothing wrong with a profit without that profit driver, The farmers can't produce organics, and the companies engaged in processing and marketing can't be involved. But when that's the only driver in an ethics-based approach like organics, then we run into a problem. And and so that's where industry watchdogs like the Cornucopia Institute come in. And I'm happy to say that the latter part of your question is, are the standards really being enforced? During the Bush administration, uh, not only were they not being enforced, there was a concerted attempt to monkey wrench the organic industry. And now we have a group in charge of the USDA that's actually friendly to organics, friendly to farmers' markets, the, the good food movement, if you will. And, and so the, the environment's changed radically. And, and these two pathways 
in your report, it seems like they're diverging the pathway of, of people who are, are doing organic agriculture to raise eggs based on the spirit of organic agriculture and the people who are doing large-scale, more industrialization um, of agriculture who are motivated more by profit, who seem to be doing the, the minimum necessary and maybe even undermining some of the meaning of some of the terminology. So I was wondering if you could talk about what you see as the true organic philosophy and then maybe also discuss then how you see some of that being subverted. Sure, and we can use eggs as an example. Um, We've done similar studies on organic dairy and organic soy foods, and you can find all those reports and a scorecard that helps uh, consumers choose uh, their brand so they can support the true organic heroes, and and those are all on cornucopia.org, our website. Uh, We we know why consumers first come to organics. And, and when I do speeches around the country, I, I shock people once in a while by saying, it's selfish. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's um, consumers, mostly families and parents, wanting the very best, most nutritious, safest food for their families. And there's something instinctual about that. Uh, but when we do market research and, and uh, focus group work with consumers, we found that the reason that there's such little price resistance to the premiums paid for organic food is consumers don't just think they're being selfish. They think they're simultaneously doing something good for society. So they think they're supporting a different kind of environmental ethic, a a stronger uh, animal husbandry standard for humane animal treatment, and they think that one of the reasons organic food costs more is that economic justice for family farmers is built right into the price. So when they find out about uh, dairy farms that might be supplying their brand with 7,000 cattle in in factory farms, or the biggest egg companies in the United States, some of the same ones involved in the big salmonella egg outbreak, um, outfits that own literally millions of birds, in their organics operations, they might have hundreds of thousands as many as 80,000 confined to buildings without going outside, consumers rightfully feel betrayed. And uh, it's placing ethical family farmers at a competitive disadvantage. So in, in eggs, we found these large corporations getting involved. Their eggs would really be more appropriately labeled, quote, uh, produced with organic feed, because they're not really organic, because the birds... Uh, we know that uh, chickens that are outside not only live a really nice, uh, much nicer chicken life, they enjoy their lives as they've instinctively, instinctively been bred over the millennium to, to live, and uh, we know that the eggs are of superior nutritional value when they're able to uh, exhibit their foraging behaviors. They eat grass, bugs, um, all kinds of insects, worms, and seeds. And it, and it changes the nutritional profile. It also, from a humane standpoint, means there's less aggression. They don't peck at each other and injure each other. Um, and, and, and here's the catch. It's required by law in organics. So we had, you know, for a number of years, uh, the past administration at the USDA looking the other way. Now I think we have the chance to rein in this abuse and, and that's what we're organizing right now at Cornucopia. We filed some legal complaints. 
We're inviting both farmers and consumers to get involved in a pressure campaign to make sure this happens. Well, it seems, Mark, that the, um, the outdoor access is the most contentious issue. Um, and you mentioned one of the things being about humane treatment of, of the chickens and also the nutritional benefit for the eggs. Um, how are the industrial farms uh, getting around the organic uh, standard of outdoor access? Well, I think it's kind of embarrassing, but um, they, they've really chosen two different tactics. Uh, the most common is that they've built porches. We've, we've, many of us have heard of uh, pastured poultry. Uh, this is porched poultry. And they build small porches. Some of them have concrete floors, some wood floors. And uh, they have roofs and you know, walls with screens in them. Well, you know, I think if we, if we asked most parents to say go outside and play, they wouldn't uh, think of a room with a roof with, a, with the windows open. And uh, so even if you and I uh, would agree, and we certainly wouldn't, that that, that legally constituted the outdoors, and, and the law is very explicit, organic livestock all have to have access to the outdoors. But if we agreed that that was the outdoors, the fact that these porches only represent, in many cases, 3 to 5% of the square footage of the building means that if you've got 20, 30, 80,000 birds in a building and only 5% of them can go out on this porch, 95% have no legal access to the outdoors. So we've filed uh, formal legal complaints recently against some of these massive operators. The other way, and I wish I wasn't making this one up, that some of these uh, scoff laws have skirted the regulations, is they've gotten a note from their veterinarian, or there have been a warning letter from the state vet, industry-friendly, industrial agriculture-friendly uh, veterinarian, saying, we recommend not putting your birds out. It would be endangering their health. And uh, so the certifying agents and the USDA have bought that, and uh, that's illegal. If there actually was uh, an epidemic of avian influenza in a region of the country, then temporarily the law would provide for uh, confinement, but the, the operative word is temporary. So these folks are, are uh, crossing their fingers behind their backs, calling their products organics, organic, putting pretty pictures of red farms and chickens running around outside on their cartons, and it's a scam. And so we hope that consumers will not quit buying organics because obviously, especially with eggs, um, nutritionally and from a contamination standpoint, they're a very important uh, organic food source. But we hope that they'll visit the Cornucopia website and uh, ch check out that uh, scorecard so they can use their money to reward the true heroes in this business and make sure their family is getting uh, the wonderful food they expect. And, and so with these concrete porches, Mark, um, so let's assume only 5% get out onto the porch and experience some fresh air. They're, I would imagine their eggs wouldn't be significantly more uh, nutritious than the ones who don't go outside if they're not having access to pasture. Is, is that true? Uh, that, that would be my guess. There, I haven't seen any testing data. Uh, obviously, a little sunshine would be nice, but if you take a look at your house, you know, how many hours a day, even if you have a porch, is the sun going to be in the angle so they get any sun in there? But certainly they can't exhibit that foraging behavior, that peck, 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 that, that birds like to do, and they get so much 
positive nutritional um, material from. So my guess is that uh, they're, they're getting that grain inside the barn and their eggs aren't really very much different. We're talking today with Mark Castell, a senior farm policy analyst at the Cornucopia Institute about organic egg agriculture. If you'd like to join the conversation, the number is 503-231-8187. So, um, so Mark, with the eggs um, and these porches, and we have this issue around organic not being really a reliable label entirely, is that also then translate to uh, the term free range? Uh, and it seems to me like I'm guessing some of these people who have the concrete porches are able to put the, the term free range organic on their, on their cartons. Well, remember, I'm in a position to argue and in court if necessary to maintain the integrity of the organic label because it is a law. There really are no laws governing things like uh, free range and uncaged and what what do some of these other terms be, or especially one that's you know highly abused in marketing is quote natural, because natural meat means whatever you want it to mean. There there are no governmental standards. There's no independent inspectors. So um, I I would again I I want to emphasize this juxtaposition. There are wonderful organic producers out there that that do have their uh, birds outside regularly when whenever weather permits. There are some that even go beyond the minimums in organics. These are the true pastured poultry uh, practitioners. They make sure their, their animals are in grass, and they move them, in some cases, every day to a new spot at, by having mobile chicken coops. And uh, there's a pe- premium to be paid for those eggs, but I, I personally, somebody who eats that kind of egg, I'll tell you, they're just wonderful. And uh, But at a minimum... Uh, true, true organic eggs um, are at least protecting you from the concentrations of uh, pesticides and other toxic chemicals, antibiotics. Um, there is the philosophy that the higher you eat up the food chain, the more important it is to eat organically since the animals concentrate many, many uh, pounds or tons of feed that they consume during their lifetime into their flesh, into the eggs, into the milk. And uh, so it might be even more important than the organic egg, uh, head of broccoli, although I'd probably argue that's pretty darn important too. Well, it's actually kind of amazing to me to see that the health benefits for pastured eggs, the difference wasn't small. Like I, I believe the report had it at two and a half times the amount of omega-3 fat compared to a conventional egg. Well, there's some antioxidants, and I can't remember which one right offhand, that are eight times greater for truly pastured eggs. Uh, Michael Pollan, uh, author of the bestsellers The Omnivore Dilemma, Omnivore's Dilemma, one of the you know, theologians, if you will, of organics, he's made a pretty convincing argument that you should pay 7 or $8 a dozen for eggs. And that's what it costs uh, in some stores for these really, uh, truly pastured organic eggs. It, so they're going beyond the minimum requirement of outdoor access for the chickens, which we know in itself makes a better egg. And they're going, they're really the platinum standard then. They're beyond organic. And uh, we really want to make sure those folks get rewarded. Let's take our first caller. Jeff, you're on the air with Mark Castell. Good morning, and thanks for taking my call. 
the Center for Science in the Public uh, Interest, uh, the CSPI, I believe Michael Pollan is involved with that, one of the best places to go for authority. And, of course, you know, tuna gathers together all that mercury in the sea, and the, as they are in the food chain, really concentrate that. I wonder if your guests can answer this question. Is there science now being done, and, and can we look to a time in the near future when we will determine <clears throat> that the treatment of animals affects the flesh, the output, the product on our table? Can, uh, are we getting closer, and, and is the science being done? I'll take your answer off the air, and thanks very much for taking my call. Thanks for the call, Jeff. Uh, yes, there's a growing body of scientific literature that really indicates the superior nutritional content of food that uh, is based on its production methodology. So, again, a grazing for ruminants like uh, cows and sheep and goats and you know milk, dairy cows and beef. Um, we know that that changes the um, nutritional um, uh, content and. And we know that the way animals are cared for uh, in terms of how much stress they're under uh, changes uh, that uh, and sometimes even the flavor because we know animals that are scared and under tremendous stress uh, release all kinds of fight-or-flight hormones. So um, that that whole humane aspect based on um, its relationship to nutrition is a growing science, but... If you get on your keyboard and start Googling around, I think you're going to find something there. So what about the uh, labels for animal welfare? Right now it seems like your, your scorecard is, is replacing um, this distrust around the organic label and around the, uh, the free-range and cage-free. Can we trust it when an egg carton says certified humane on it? Well, it's a little bit convoluted. Um, First of all, our scorecards, I mean, the good news here is that if you go to our dairy scorecard, 90% of all name brand organic dairy products are done with high integrity. It's sad that a couple of the biggest brands like Horizon that's owned by Dean Foods, uh, the $11 billion uh, agribusiness Goliath, is, is not one of the good brands. And uh, so consumers are getting educated. Um, the animal welfare labels are a little bit tougher because some of them uh, actually have good independent oversight. Others are uh, like the United Egg Producers, UEP, that is the lobby group for all these giant factory egg farms, conventional and organic. They have their own animal husbandry or uh, animal humane standards, and they're, they're BS. They're, they're really, uh, they institutionalize caged uh, egg production. And uh, hardly anybody with any degree of independence would call that humane treatment of animals. So uh, there's one uh, resource maintained by uh, Consumers Union, the publisher of Consumer Reports magazine I recommend, and they have a website, um, ecolabels.org, O-R-G. And uh, so if you see one of those labels, you can see whether it's just an industry shill, so to speak, or... Uh, an independent nonprofit that might have some credibility behind it. Well, it was really interesting going through the the organic egg scorecard from Cornucopia, uh, just looking at the egg producers from our region. And the one that we see most common in in Portland uh, for organic eggs is 
as Stibers, and you have them ranked with three eggs out of five, which is considered very good. And then another uh, egg grower, Phoenix, which is a little harder to find, it's, I think, more concentrated in the food cooperatives, gets five eggs out of five. And I was curious, you're considering the three eggs very good. What would we see as a difference between a, a three-egg company and a five-egg company? Well, I think, and, and it's interesting, the, the, the three-egg company that you referenced, I think, are making some changes to uh, raise their ratings. And uh, based on our campaign and the pressure they're hearing from their uh, consumers. But one is, you know, I, to, even to get the three eggs, you've got to get your birds outside. But do your birds really go outside? And so what we found disturbingly in our report is if the, the pullets, the young birds that are 17 weeks old before they're moved to the hen house and start laying eggs, um, if they were never allowed to go outside, again, that would be illegal, um, then the older birds won't know to go outside. And this is what Michael Pollan found out, too, in his research. And then there's the question of how many doors do you have? We took a look at some buildings that had access to the outdoors and plenty of space, but they'd, for, for 30,000 birds or for 15,000 birds, they'd have one two-foot-by-two-foot two door. And birds have their own personal space just like we do. They're not going to walk over all their neighbors because the, the door that's 100 feet away uh, is open and they want to go outside. So they just never get to go outside. So uh, companies like Stivers are, are cutting more holes in and adding more space outdoors. And uh, Phoenix is, is one of the uh, gold standards or platinum standards out there. And it's one of the differences in shopping at a food cooperative because by and large, all around the country, there's about 275 of them. They have professionals that actually do the research and vet these brands to make sure that what they're representing is authentic. And, um, and many of these co-ops is, are kind of like a farmer's market seven days a week. They're your, your portal to, to local, regional food, organic food, and food that has some meaning. So, so Mark, in our final minutes, are, are there some ways or, or directions you'd point people if they want to get involved in the, this uh, political battle about upholding the organic standards? Thanks for asking. Um, yes, if you go to the Cornucopia website, and that's C-O-R-N-U-C-O-P-I-A dot org, um, and click on uh, Action Alerts, there is a proxy letter that we have that we, we hand-delivered to the USDA meeting a couple weeks ago, but we're going to do a big drop on them with the stragglers. So if your people want to be engaged, fill out one of those proxy letters, sign it in ink. This is not a computer uh, 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 generated operation. We find this has much more impact. Write a line or two of why, why this is important to you on the printed proxy letter and mail it back to us. And we will, we will deliver it to the USDA for you in Washington. We think consumers and farmers together have clout. There are not enough farmers to fight this without your listeners. And so that's one way to get involved. Click on the video link and you can take a look at what some of these faux organic farms look like and just as importantly see what some of these chickens that are truly enjoying their lives and creating wonderful eggs that we need to be thankful for, um, what those kind of operations look like as well. And I'd imagine that it's pretty vital for just the average uh, citizen to get involved. I'm imagining the industrial agriculture is pretty well organized on defending their rights. Is that that true? Yes, they, 
they have a lot of lobbyists and a lot of power pushing on this, claiming that if we uh, mandate birds to go outside, again, it's in the current law, um, that uh, it'll force them out of business. And, you know, my message to these lobbyists is don't let the door hit you in the ass on the way out. Thank you, because there are plenty of family farmers that will line up at the economic opportunities there. But the consumer's voice is very important, and quite frankly, it's our secret weapon in the organic movement because uh, there are literally millions of consumers who care passionately about these issues, and joining with the farmers, uh, our voice is loud. Well, it's great having you on Health Watch today, Mark. Thanks very much. We're talking today with Mark Castell, the Senior Farm Policy Analyst of the Cornucopia Institute, about his report, Scrambled Eggs, Separating Factory Farm Production from Authentic Organic Agriculture. Stay tuned for the rest of the Monday Morning Radio Zine.